This week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. A wild week eight sees eight games in the National Lacrosse League. We'll touch on as many as we can. Two Victoria Junior Shamrock grads are tearing up the NLL. Zach Band and Marshall King will stop by. And Brad MacArthur and friends have started the NLL alumni. All that more on OTCB. I am an Cross fans and welcome to another edition of the Off the Crossbar podcast here on SoundCloud, NLL Radio, the Lacrosse Flash, and Spotify. I am your intrepid host, Teddy Jenner. Thanks for joining me this week. You can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar, or you can email me teddy.jenner at gmail.com. Eight games in week eight, one Friday, five. No, six Saturday and one on Sunday. A full weekend of National Lacrosse League games for your viewing pleasure on BR Live. The game of the week, Toronto at Buffalo. And that is one of the best rivalries in the entire National Lacrosse League. It should be another fantastic event of games all weekend. But that... Should be a masterful one. The other game of the week for me, Philadelphia at New England, three and three and one Philadelphia at three and zero oh New England. So get your popcorn ready for that one as we are set for a fantastic weekend of lacrosse. As we head into the meat of the schedule, we're now officially past the third way mark of the season still crazy that buffalo has only played three games but new york's got the most along with a few other teams at five so it's not as unbalanced as it was a little while ago but still a little bit unbalanced throughout the national lacrosse league your games this weekend all start on friday colorado at vancouver i will be in attendance as the Mammoth have a crucial two-game Western swing against the Warriors and the Rush on Saturday. Both games on BR Live, as are all of the games that are on BR Live. Of course, the Toronto Rock, Buffalo Bandits game free on BR Live, Twitter, and Facebook. So catch them if you can. we got San Diego at Halifax, Calgary at Rochester, Philadelphia at New England. Georgia at New York, Rochester at Philadelphia, then of course, Colorado at Vancouver Friday and Colorado at Saskatchewan on Saturday. Couple teams playing doubleheader this doubleheaders this weekend, Colorado being one of them. Rochester and Philadelphia also playing two games this weekend. Rochester home to Calgary, Philadelphia on the road in New England. And then both teams will travel to Philadelphia for their game on Sunday. And could this be the weekend? The Rochester Nighthawks or maybe the New York Riptide get their first wins of the regular season. New York? I don't think so. Rochester of those two games against Calgary and on the road against Philadelphia, one of those two games they very well could win. I'm not sure they do, but... They could. So we'll touch on a bit of those games 
as we get on to the show. But let's get right into our guests this week. We'll hear from Brad MacArthur, former National Lacrosse Leaguer and head of the new National Lacrosse League Alumni Association in a little bit. But first up, let's get to the kids of the National Lacrosse League. And originally, I had planned to just talk to Zach Manns of the Toronto Rock, former junior Shamrock, played in the Minto Cup this past summer for the juniors, and almost came up with the Minto Cup, but they fell short to the Orangeville Northmen, those damn hornheads. But Zach's stock extremely rose during this summer, especially during the Man Cup where he was a force for the Junior Rocks. And it just so happened that on the other side of the floor was Bruce Codd coaching those nasty hornheads. And he got to see Zach firsthand up close and personal. And as they got into that draft, Zach Manns was still there for the Rock and Bruce Codd. Matt Sawyer and company jumped at the opportunity to grab the hard-shooting left-hander. A few picks earlier, the Calgary Roughnecks selected Marshall King, another former junior Shamrock, great friend of Zach Manns. Both were roommates at Drexel University and both entered the draft this past fall. Both have gotten off to fantastic starts in the National Cross League in their initial season. And as rookies, they are having a pretty decent start to their season. Both sitting second and third in the National Lacrosse League, respectively, as rookies. Zach's got 12 points. Marshall's got 14. And both playing a very steady game so far. So as I reached out to Zach and said, hey, brother, you want to hop on the show this week and talk a little lacrosse, a little Shamrocks, a little Toronto Rock? He said, absolutely, as pretty much everybody does when they're asked to hop on the pod. But when I contacted him later in the week and said, hey, what time works for you? He said, how about Wednesday? But what if Marshall joins the show? And we've never done two guests at one time in the show. I truly didn't know through my technology if it was possible. But the internet and the waves of the future are a strange being. Then we've got them both for you right here on OTCB. Guys who have been friends since minor lacrosse, through junior lacrosse, through college lacrosse, and now they're friends slash enemies in the National Lacrosse League, Zach Manns of the Toronto Rock, and Marshall King of the Calgary Roughnecks. Manns with an absolute rocket. Zach Manns planted that foot and unleashed. His second goal, his fourth point of the night. Outside shot, I think he's starting to feel it. This is just a great shot. Goes for the far corner, kind of shoots around the screen. A little first here on the podcast, and sometimes when the kids ask, you got to give the kids what they want. So the plan was to have Zach Manns on the show because he's been lighting it up in his first year with the Toronto Rock, and he suggested, why not bring my good buddy Marshall King on the show, who's also lighting out up 
but doing it with the Cavs of Roughnecks. They both have games this weekend, and they both join us on the show. Let's start with you, Zach. Zach, how are you, my man? I'm doing well. How are you, my friend? Uh, I am fantastic. Uh, again, great idea. Uh, Marshall, you're there in Calgary. What's the good word? Uh, it's pretty damn cold here, but I'm going to have to embrace that pretty soon. But So uh, we'll see how it goes. Yeah, you guys are both missing the snow in Victoria. Marshall, you were saying it's already worse here than it is in Calgary besides the cold weather. Yeah, for sure. I haven't really seen a lot of snow here. It's just that dry cold, you know, it's so much different from Victoria where you used to the wet cold. So it's like, I want to say minus 27 right now, but it's still, <laughs> I, I could still say that it feels the same as zero degrees in Victoria just because of the wind chill and how wet it is. Zach, what's it like out in Ontario? Are you staying pretty warm? Uh, You know what? I'm not staying too warm in my house. It's our heat distribution's kind of messed up, so it's either freezing cold or a sauna in here. So what are you right now, out there? I'm actually living at the uh, the Rock House that our owner Jamie owns. I'm living with Brad Cree, Challen Rogers, Rosie, and Adam J. Well, that's, that's the Rock Pile is notorious for uh, being the place to be. Um, <laughs> do we have to contact Jamie to get the heat on, or what the heck's the deal? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just uh, it's a battle. Really <laughs> um, all right, let's let's kind of take our time here. Uh, you two guys, obviously, both Victoria boys. How long have you known each other? Uh, when was the first time you met Zach, Marsh? Uh, first time I met Zach, I want to say, was when we were trying out for summer games lacrosse. That was the only yeah. time that I had really had the opportunity to actually have a conversation with him and play on the same team as him. He actually, I'm pretty sure he ended up getting snipped from that team, funny enough. Yeah. But because yeah. he was one of the younger guys. But then once we got to high school, it was actually surprisingly more basketball that brought us together because in Claremont, only a select amount of us really played basketball aside from lacrosse. And me and Zach were a couple of those guys. And Zach was always running the courts when we were in high school. So I started hanging out with him a lot and it just kind of bonded from there. When I went to Claremont, our basketball team was absolutely horrible. Um, I think we won one game in two years. Uh, <laughs> it, it was really bad. Uh, Darren Rizek was one of our coaches at the time, so you can understand why we struggled. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Let's hope he doesn't hear that. Oh, I'm sorry. He knows I chirp, and we, we go far enough back that I can say <laughs> those things. Um, yeah, no doubt. You guys also spent some time at, at Drexel. What was it like being a Dragon together, Zach? Uh, yeah, I could – say that Marsh was pretty much one of the only reasons I was there for the two-year stint that I was there for. He was an unbelievable roommate, kept me in check, and just a good person to follow their lead. He was a leader on the team, and a lot of guys looked up to him, and the way he led there was great. So it was a really good experience being with him. Obviously, Zach, you, you decided to leave Drexel early. Marsh, you stayed there. Um what was the reason, Zach, that you wanted to, to kind of move on from the college life? Because it's not always for everybody. What was the reasoning that you wanted to, to jump to the NLL? You know, the, the field lacrosse thing wasn't really working out for me. And uh, I, it was a really hard decision for me and just because I had such great teammates there. Like, I really made great relationships with so many guys on the team. Like, they were some of my best friends. So that was the hardest part for me. But the plan wasn't actually to go to the NLL right away. The plan was to play basketball at Camosun College in Victoria so that so that was in January when I left school that was the plan and then 
I was working out with the basketball team as soon as I came home, getting ready for the upcoming year. And then still played box in the summer, obviously. Had a good year with the Junior Shamrocks. And then when we made it to the Minto, started to get a good amount of exposure from NLL scouts and talked to quite a few people. And they said, I should try my name to draft. And I did. And not playing basketball anymore. So <laughs> things worked out. Clearly made a decent decision, apparently. Uh-huh. Um. There are some some pretty talented guys that go through that Drexel program. One of the names that everybody's looking forward to is Reed Bowering. Marsh, how good is he going to be when we see him at his full potential? I mean, it's crazy to think that Reed is a D-tranny guy in the box game, and then Mm -hmm. you go down to Drexel and he's putting up 50 goals for us last year. So, you know, in in field across, he's just – He's just first team all grit is the easiest way to put it. Every <laughs> single time there's a loose ball, whether there's one or four guys in front of him, he's going to come out with it. And he's going to find a way to get his body launched across the crease and pot and goals. But he's in the box game. He's just so consistent. And I think the what a lot of people say about you guys is they're the best of you guys are the ones that you don't notice because you're only noticing them if they're making mistakes. And he's just somebody who does a really good job at limiting their mistakes. I know that he's a great leader, obviously has two Minto Cup rings, which kills me to go to school with a guy <laughs> and he's bringing in those championships. But, you know, I I wish the best for him, and I can't imagine him dropping out of the top three to five picks in the NLL draft next year. Yeah, no doubt. Zach, would you be able to say that Marshall has good defensive skills? Yeah, I could definitely say that. I think he's an underrated defenseman. I don't know if his uh, I don't know if his confidence on defense is up to up to speed, but I I think he can get down there and fend for himself. Definitely. You don't have to do much of that in Calgary, Zach. How are you, or in Toronto, uh, Zach? How are you adjusting to life with the Toronto Rock? You know, going into things, I was a little bit. I don't want to say skeptical. I'd say a little bit timid, maybe just knowing that I'm a younger guy moving across the country to a place I've never been to be with guys that I've never met before. But the support that I've gotten from my uh, teammates and roommates, especially those four guys that I mentioned, it's been, it's been pretty surreal. You know, I don't think I could have ended up in a better place for myself. So I've been really happy about it so far. Marsh, you just made the move to Calgary after the new year, but you obviously have a lot of relations there with the big brother, Jeff there and, and, and Dutchie's there, so you kind of had some people watching over you. What was the biggest adjustment for you uh, when you made the transition? Uh, you know, just kind of getting back to living on my own, not having, you know, not really knowing a ton of people out in Calgary. You kind of got to figure out ways to spend your time and stuff like that. Luckily, I've got my girlfriend out here, so it's kind of in tourist mode for the first couple weeks <laughs> until we really get settled, and, you know. I'm going to start working at some point once I get out here, once I get settled for sure. Um, but it was, it, it wasn't really a tough decision for me to come here, especially like you said, with guys like Dutchie and Greg Harnett and my brother, Dutchie and Greg Harnett have both lived in Calgary before. So I got the lowdown from them and they were fully supportive and thought that was a good idea for me to take the opportunity to come live here. And, you know, I couldn't be happier with the decision. It's nice to get out of Victoria for a couple months at a time and then, come home for summer and rip it up with the Shamrocks, so it couldn't work out any better. I, I think ripping up with the Shamrocks is always a fun thing to do. You guys have both had uh, fantastic junior careers. Zach, what was it like making that run through the Minto Cup? Uh, that's something that we all strive to kind of get to in our junior careers. 
yeah, you know, that that's a once-in-a-lifetime opportunity. Well, not for people like Reed Bowring, but <laughs> but uh, for me, definitely, it's going to be something I remember for the rest of my life. Definitely a memorable moment of lacrosse. But, yeah, at the start of the season, I think our uh, our goal was just to make playoffs. And as we moved on and moved on and started to play got teams a lot better, it just seemed like it, it could be a chance that we made it. And then when we got to that, second or the first round series against new west and played them to seven games after we finally beat them in our barn in game seven it was like kind of a surreal moment knowing that we were going to get to the midfield cup especially with the, the young team that we had you know we didn't know if there was something that we could make possible but all the hard work and um, determination we got there so unfortunately it didn't turn out the way we like you know losing to orangeville in, in the finals but uh, you know, it was it was just amazing, even losing. How, yeah, you you had an incredible Minto Cup, and and like you said earlier, it allowed your stock to rise and gave people a lot more eyes on what you could do. Obviously, playing against Bruce Cod kind of helped your transition to the Toronto Rock. How's your relationship with him him grown since that Minto, and now you're together in Toronto? Yeah, you know, I, I like being on his side a lot better, and I've. I've heard, I've seen some other interviews of guys on my team talking about playing against Brucey and Orangeville and Junior, and they say the exact same thing. He's a lot better to have on your side, but yeah, no, Brucey's a really great guy, and we like to joke around about our uh, little Victoria Orangeville feud. But you know, he gets the best of me knowing that they got the gold. So, but yeah, he's a really good guy. And we got a good relationship going. In Calgary, Marshall, there there is a, a lot of great leaderships, and, and we talked Bruce Scott, Orangeville, Victoria. Uh, now we can talk Victoria Coquitlam a little bit more. Christian Del Bianco's there. Uh, you get to shoot on him in practice, not anymore in games. How special is it to watch what he can do on a lacrosse floor? It's unbelievable, and it's uh, you know I thank God every day that I don't have to play against him anymore because he single-handedly ruined my junior career. I can say that for a fact. So um, it's it's really nice having him on our side, you know, just having a strong guy between the pipes makes it a lot easier for your team to be confident going into games, knowing that we're going to have some support on the back end, no matter what. And I think it just, it just takes the nerves off a lot of the guys' shoulders on our team. And, you know, I couldn't be happier to be playing with him. Finally, it was only a matter of time. We've been playing together since, I know we played Pee Wee Team BC together, and then after that, we never really played again, played together. And he just kind of ran through me my entire minor and immediate junior careers. And then finally going through all the struggle, I get to play alongside him, and hopefully we'll get to do some good things together. We all seem to have that one guy or one team throughout our career that always got the better of us. Who is that team for you, Zach? Yeah, so this is, uh, this is a little bit of a sweet thing that came from the Minto. My uh, our team that always got the best of us was always Coquitlam. You know <clears throat> that '98 age group that I'm in. They're really strong and deep, and I battled against those like eight or nine core guys for pretty much my whole life playing lacrosse. So get to the Minto and actually eliminating them from uh, from the tournament that was a pretty sweet moment for us. But yeah, definitely Coquitlam. Those guys are those guys are always good. Let's step away from the game a little bit. You have eight people in your family, Zach? Yeah, well, actually, I got more than eight people. You could say Full ten. Full house. Ten. Full house. What's going on over there? It's a man's household. 
Yeah, so I, uh, I'm the oldest of my biological family. I have three, three younger siblings. Um, Maddie, she's 19, turning 20 this year. She actually plays basketball at Camosun on the women's team, so she's a baller. She goes hard in the paint for sure. <laughs> Marsh, can, Marsh can definitely attest to that. Yeah, she is. She's a savage on the court. It's a true and, fact. Yeah, and then I have uh, my two younger siblings, Ben and Reese. They're fraternal twins, boy and girl, and they're in 11th grade, 16, and they're also ballers. And then I have two foster brothers with Down syndrome, Sam and Dan. They're, they're the absolute best. They've been living with us for 17 and 19 years now, so they've been great core part of the family. You know, it's really great having them. They have amazing relationships with all of their family and friends. It's, it's really great. And then I also have a foster brother, Sean. He just actually, he's been moved out of the house for a while now. He's 20, 26, but, or 28, sorry, I don't even know. But he actually just had a baby. So we got a little niece running around. They're not running around now, but we got a little niece hanging around. So she's, she's the best. Her name's Georgia. And then I also have a half brother, Jordan, who is 26. So yeah, when we're all together, that, that seventeen house, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so you can you can only imagine what our family holidays look like when we have our family plus our extended families are pretty big too. So it's it's always a good time at the man's household for sure. I met one of your your brothers with Down syndrome last year. I can't remember which one, but what is and and the people that live with Down syndrome are some of the most joyful people I've ever come across in my life. They always have just such great personality and great energy. What was it like growing up having to, you know, have a person like that in your life that you kind of had to watch out for a little more? You know, like growing up with Sam and Dan is, was honestly, like, I take it for granted. It was it was amazing. Like, Sam, he, uh, well, they're both really into sports, but one of them, Dan, is nonverbal, so he's a little bit more hard to communicate with but sam he he's more high functioning is like what they like to say and so he he actually has been working at home depot for 16 15 years i want to say at this point like so he's super high functioning and growing up with him like we were just the best of buddies like i could count on him to come outside with me at any point like that's just his favorite thing to do is play sports watch sports so it was really great to have those guys growing up what was it like growing up with Jesse Marsh? Uh, it was I I couldn't have asked for anyone better as a brother to for you know the route that I was trying to follow. He kind of set the path every direction that I wanted to go in. You know, going to college, he obviously went to Ohio State. Had quite the career there, and in in high school, I wasn't really sure if college lacrosse was something I wanted to pursue. I wasn't like Zach; I wasn't a huge fan of field lacrosse growing up. I loved the indoor game, and field lacrosse never really did it for me. But I couldn't turn down the opportunity to get a scholarship and go live somewhere else for a few years. And yeah, Jesse helped me out with it a lot. I was pretty close to coming home within the first couple of weeks of being down there, and he's. I'm talking to my mom and she's going, all right, well, if you really want to come home, then you'll come home. And I just get a call from Jesse five minutes later. You're not going home. You're sticking it out. You're not doing it. No chance. I'm not letting you get away with that. And then, you know, obviously made it through the four years. And now he's been, he's been the most helpful person for me transitioning into the NOL game, obviously spent the summer with him and that helped prepare me a lot for what was to come. And now that I'm playing alongside him, obviously went down with a, 
another injury, which is awful to see, but hopefully whenever he gets back, we'll be able to continue where we left off, you know, just keep moving forward with each other. How cool is it that he was the guy that called you and, and got to tell you that you're going to be a shamrock this summer? It was, it was insane. And I, I actually, so Chris Welch had originally called me first and I didn't have his phone number in my phone because I had just gotten a new phone. It just said unknown number. And when I was in Philadelphia, for some reason, I would just always get spam phone calls. So I ignored it. And then a couple minutes later, Jesse's spam texted me saying, pick up my call, pick up my call. And I'm like, what? What is your problem? And they pissed me up. He's like, you just got traded to Victoria. And I, I honestly thought that he was messing with me. And I was like, all right, enough of that. You don't need to tease me anymore. Because I was just, obviously, to play lacrosse anywhere, I'd be grateful. But not going to Victoria initially in the draft was just a heartbreaker for me, being somebody who's looked up to all those guys growing up and going to Shamrock games since I was a little kid. So to get that call from him was just icing on the cake. I need to go back for a second and talk Twitter with Zach. Did you actually set your mom's Twitter account up? Um, you know what? I I I think that was made probably about eight or nine years ago. <laughs> <laughs> like, are you talking about her bio? What is it? Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. I'm gonna tell her to change that. Actually, well, it's kind of like bad. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll pull it up right now. I believe it says, uh, my son signed me up for this and made me write this in these bats or something like that. I can't actually, what does it, what does it say? It says, oh, okay. Yeah, it says, hi, I'm Dana, and I love to cook and clean and drive my kids everywhere they want to go. Her amazing son wrote this. <laughs> it's accurate. Um, do you think she's going to be uh, a Twitter stalker of you now that you're such a big deal in Toronto? Oh yeah, my my mom and dad probably send me three links per day of something with my name in it. So they they like to have a lot of fun with it. So they they actually have a little competition going between each other about who can send it to me first, the article or whatever. So it's pretty funny. They have a little game going on. You've taken to the the community relations part of things. You know, you're you're being in commercials and you're posing for for photos and you're doing all that stuff as part of what it means to be a lacrosse player in the National Cross League. Have you gotten any friendly ribbing from some of the boys about some of your action shots? Um, no, I haven't actually. Why? Are there some tough ones? No, I'm just, you know, I just, boys like to keep you on your toes. I'm, you know, oh, I've got some brutal ones for sure. I can guarantee <laughs> you that. We got, we, we didn't have our gear on the day that we had our media photos. So they gave us like stock shoulder pads to put on. And I look like I have, hockey shoulder elbow cups put on my shoulders underneath our jerseys and I just couldn't look any skinnier. It looks like looks I'm like... landing at about a buck forty. it's funny. This is um in our league you have to get used to traveling back and forth and you have to travel, you know, late nights, early mornings. What's been the biggest challenge for you Marsh and just getting your mental stage right to to understand, you know, dealing with the NRL, like the game where you guys were in San Diego and didn't get to the arena until 45 minutes before the game started. How do you get yourself ready for a situation like that? I mean, that was going into it. You know, you knew what, what the plan was. We knew what time our flights were and stuff like that. Obviously didn't notice the severity of it, seeing that we were going to be 
at the arena 45 minutes prior to the game, you know, especially for somebody like me. I'm somebody who usually goes there about two and a half to three hours before because I like kind of easing into my routines. I like not having to wait to get my ankles taped, which is common for a lot of people. I like getting all my therapy and all that out of the way as early as I can so I can get right into my game day routine. So I think that was a big part of the stint that we had with Philly on the back-to-back after San Diego. And it was just really hard to follow up. And then, you know, to see my brother go down early in that game after he had the night he had the prior to that. It, it it made it that much tougher on us. I think we ran that game after my brother went down. I think we had five offensive players and four of them were right-handers. So we played a few shifts with four and one, which is never ideal, especially in the NOL. And then we kind of tried to pull some D guys up, but you know, on a back-to-back, it's hard to demand your D guys to play both ends to the floor for three and a half quarters of a game. But you know, it's just something we got to live with. Luckily, we don't have any more back-to-backs for the rest of the season that I'm aware of. So hopefully we can get right back on track and, you know, get where we want to be this season. Zach, you guys are in Buffalo, which is one of the best environments in the entire National Lacrosse League. The Toronto-Buffalo rivalry is one of the best in the National Lacrosse League. How excited are you, are you for your first taste of Bandit Land and that rivalry? Yeah, I'm super, super excited. This is a really big week for our team. Uh, a lot of guys have been uh, itching to get out there to Buffalo. Apparently, the bandit land, I've heard, is a pretty crazy environment, and they have some pretty hostile fans is what I've heard. So I'm super excited to get out there. And luckily, it's just uh, – I think it's only like an hour and a half, two-hour bus ride. So it's going to be a short trip there. So that'll be good. But, yeah, I'm, they got a great team out there. I know their, their goaltending is stellar. We've been talking a lot about Matt Vino in there that past week and just excited to get out there and put everything we got into it you're six and six 12 points in your first you know few games in this league including a hat trick last week and what's been working for you so far in this league that it's sometimes not easy for rookies to adjust yeah you know i think the biggest thing with me is that i feel just really comfortable with the ball in my stick i like to i like to make decisions i like to dictate the game so me being comfortable with the ball in my stick, making plays with my head up, I think is the biggest thing. But something uh, I think that contributed to my success so far is just really using my speed and being aggressive. I, I think I'm a pretty fast guy and can get my shot off pretty much whenever I need to. So that's been working out for me so far. Our coaches have really preached to me to be ag- aggressive right out of the gate. And I think that's something that I need to have that sort of mindset, just going trying to get to the net right away rather than kind of easing into it. I think it's a good idea for me to, you know, take a couple shifts early and just trying to get a good shot right away is the biggest thing for me. So I think just staying aggressive and staying confident has been the biggest thing for me so far. I feel like I could have 10 goals at this point. So just need to see my shot continue to fall. Marsh, does Zach like to shoot the ball, you think? Oh, yeah, he loves it. Whenever we go shoot the ball, he's just shooting it like an idiot, just trying to rip through every single net that we find. So it's nice to see that they're hitting that now, though. It's working out for him, clearly. Yeah, I mean, the first game, I think I had eight shots blocked. So that one hurt my percentage right over the gate. So just trying to get that one up a little bit. It's helped having Dan Dawson as a teammate. How nice, how special is he to watch? Because I've played with him. I've played against him. Uh, he is one of the best our game's ever seen. 
Yeah, he like, he is unbelievable. Like that guy, I can like he's in, he's in better shape than I am, and he's in year nineteen. Like the guy is just a freak. But yeah, he's it's been really special, you know, falling to Toronto in the draft and him being there from a uh, off season pick acquisition. It was really huge, and you know, I grew up watching Dan Dawson play with the Victoria Shamrocks, and went used to go to all of his old revival lacrosse camps back at the Bear Mountain Center and finally when I got drafted to Toronto when I figured out that I'd be playing with him on him on the right side there it was a pretty surreal moment. Marshall you guys have a a pretty big game for yourselves this weekend in Rochester uh, coming off a bye week coming off a loss what's been the message from Kurt Malosky going into a pivotal game for you guys on the road? Uh I think for the most part, you know, something that he preaches a lot is that, you know, we're a team. We need everything that we do, everything that we say has to be team-based. And, you know, we got we to gotta have each other's backs no matter what. And that was something that they really valued last year. And obviously it worked out for them getting a championship. So that's just something they're trying to carry over this year. Playing for each other, always team-based. And also just keeping even keel. We don't want to let the refs dictate our actions we don't want to let other teams dictate our actions we need to stick to our game plan and as long as we can stick that out for 60 minutes we shouldn't have any problems how much are you guys in contact during the week you guys have group chats with with former teammates and the juniors like are you guys still chatting week to week you guys oh i we i'd say we talk pretty much every day yeah, we play uh, we play we play video games every single day together. We're usually texting at some point, no matter what throughout the day. It's it's been easy to stay in contact with each other, especially because this summer we were usually with each other every other day. So now that we're apart, we're easy to stay in contact. You know, especially with how much both of us have going on, it's always nice to hear about somebody else's experience and see how they're doing compared to your own. You know? Yeah, but, I, I know. Sorry, I was gonna say it was it was cool to uh, get back home for winter break for a few days, and March and I sat down for like I'd say an hour and just shared experiences that we've had so far, and just talked about our teams and how excited we were with things, and yeah, it was really cool. March eighth, Calgary, Toronto, you two square off at center. <laughs> uh oh. <laughs> Oh, we starting this already? <laughs> Might as well, right? Might as well put a fly in the ointment. Uh, that would be a sight to see. I don't know how much our moms would like that one, though. Might get an earful from Dana Mans, that's for sure. Yeah, no doubt. Do you think if we brought Ray out, he could train both you guys for that fight and then have you ready? <laughs> I would love that. <laughs> Ray's an animal. I think he could whip both you guys into stellar shape. I think he could probably. I, I, I guarantee you, he could. Yeah, I don't know if there's a guy in better shape than he is. Looks like the Hulk. <laughs> he does, uh, fellas. This has um, been awesome. I, I appreciate your time. It's. I'm so happy to see both of you guys succeeding in your first years. Uh, it's been great to watch. Continued success and good luck this weekend. But again, thanks for your time, fellas. Yes, yeah, thank thanks. you. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we just waited. We waited for each other, and we went at the same time. Uh, But, yeah, just want to say, yeah, thanks, Teddy. You've been really big support and really appreciate everything you've done. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, it's been awesome. You know, anytime you see any of the Victoria boys, 
doing anything good in NOL, you're always the first person to point it out and give us the credit, and we love to see it. So, you know, seeing the Victoria fans and all that. So it's been awesome to be on here, get some good lacrosse chat in with you. It's been long awaited for, you know, with my brother coming on here last year. So I couldn't have been happier to get the call. That's Marshall King and Zach Manns. Marshall, of course, of the Calgary Roughnecks. They'll take on the Rochester Nighthawks on Saturday. And Zach Manns and the Toronto Rock, well, they head down to Buffalo to take on the Bandits. And that is your National Lacrosse League Game of the Week, free and live on BR Live, Twitter, and Facebook. So if you're a fan of good old Victoria boys, you can watch Zach Manns and the Toronto Rock live and free wherever you are through the socials of BR Live, Twitter, and Facebook. There are a few other games this weekend, and we should probably touch on a few of them as we go through this podcast before we get to Brad MacArthur. As mentioned, it is an eight-game National Lacrosse League weekend. Friday night, Colorado at Vancouver. Biz Nasty is going to be in the house. The Canucks are playing the Arizona Coyotes on Thursday, so Biz being in town was a natural fit. It's going to be Hawaiian night. Hopefully it's going to be a good crowd at Rogers Arena. And anytime you get a Western team with a good base of Western guys on their roster coming into Vancouver, you're tending to get a pretty decent crowd. I know Eli McLaughlin is going to have a crowd of 50-plus in attendance, as he always has a good following. And then on Saturday, we get six games. San Diego at Halifax, as San Diego makes the longest trip, I believe, of anybody in the National Lacrosse League. Last week, I talked about Chris Wardle having to make the trek from Victoria to Halifax, and that was one of the longest as Wardle has to go to Halifax and Georgia, but possibly the San Diego to Halifax trip could be even longer. So as Halifax tries to continue this heater that they're on at 4-0, they get the ever-dangerous San Diego Seals in town. But I'm not sure the Seals have enough to take down that Halifax team. Halifax is too good, too physical, and they're playing in front of a crowd that's really starting to love the National Lacrosse League. Uh, give me Colorado in Vancouver. Give me Halifax at home. Calgary is going to take a win over Rochester. The Roughnecks coming off a couple of bye weeks. The last time they played, I believe, was the Philadelphia loss when Rambo scored right at the buzzer. So they're feeling a little pent up, a little angry. Want to get some of that hatred out of their system into Rochester uh, I like Calgary taking that game. Rochester getting better and better every weekend. They just quite haven't been able to get over the hump yet. I'm not sure the Rochester game is the one that it happens. Philadelphia at New England. I know Toronto and Buffalo were the game of the week, but the way Philadelphia has been playing and the hot start New England is off to, that really could be your game of the week. I just don't know if they're quite there yet are the Wings. They are playing incredible lacrosse. They have bought into everything that Paul Day has been telling them. They have gotten better with a full season of Kevin Crowley. They get Brett Hickey back. Matt Rambo and Blaze Reardon are having success. Josh Courier is playing extremely well. 
I think the biggest part of their success so far this season has been the play of Zach Higgins, who has been phenomenal between the pipes. And the Tendy Bear has a 10.3 goals against and a .796 save percentage. So those are pretty decent numbers. I just don't know if they can overpower that New England Black Wolves club. Even more important of this game is the rivalry between New England and Philadelphia. Obviously, New England being the old Philadelphia Wings. So there is some hatred between the franchises. I use air quotes that nobody can see me, but I am using them. But that would be my game of the week, more so than Toronto and Buffalo, even though that is a heated North rivalry. I just think the storylines of New England and Philadelphia have a little bit more cachet. So that's my true game of the week. But for all of you looking for some free lacrosse, Toronto at Buffalo, Rock in Bandland, always a beauty of a matchup. You heard me talk about the Garrett Billings success that he often had in Buffalo. Funny how I say that because we could be hearing some news out of Buffalo in the coming days. But I like Buffalo at home. I, I think the Bandits uh, are playing extremely well. Obviously, they had that big break after their second game. They go into, into Georgia, embarrass the Georgia Swarm at home, and now they get to come home to take on the Buffalo Bandits. Expect the Buffalo Bandits. Sorry, I, I missed up. The Buffalo Bandits come home to take on the Toronto Rock, but expect the Buffalo Bandits to prevail over their QEW rivals. Uh, other games on Saturday, Georgia at New York. I think Georgia is too good, too fast, too strong to even be tempted at a loss against the New York Riptide. And then Colorado has to catch early flights out of Vancouver on Saturday, head to Saskatchewan, hope the weather cooperates. They get into town around 1231 o'clock, get some food, get a nap, take on the rush in Saskatchewan. That is not going to be an easy task. Of course, I'm a big Colorado fan. I would love to see them win that game. They owe Saskatchewan a favor after the rush knocked off Colorado in the Mammoths home opener. So I would love to see Colorado get some redemption over Saskatchewan in the final game on Saturday. And then some Sunday afternoon fun as both Rochester and Philadelphia have to travel back to Philly and then take that game to hand. Uh, both teams traveling. Rochester, probably the easier travel to Philadelphia. It's only, I don't know, six or seven hours from Rochester to Philadelphia. It's a bit of a longer haul from New England to Philadelphia. But I still like the way Philadelphia is playing. I think they will be able to handle Rochester in that second game as both teams play back-to-back. -back. I'm very interested to see that crowd in Philadelphia. Obviously, last weekend was a phenomenal showing in Philadelphia, LaxCon was going on, so there was a ton of lacrosse people in the area to make that game. Now will be the question, if LaxCon isn't there, will still more Philadelphia people show up in attendance? I think they will. This team is starting to show signs of the old Philadelphia Wings. Rough, aggressive, physical, high-scoring and entertaining to watch. So I think we'll have a 
very similar crowd on Sunday. Be it Sunday, be it uh, NFL Division Finals, Conference Finals, whatever they're called in the NFL. Uh, those are two big games. I'm going to go out on a limb and say we're going to have a Titans-Niners Super Bowl. A super odd Super Bowl, but that's what I'm going to go with. I'm going to go with uh, the Titans over the Chiefs. Packers losing to the 49ers. But let's hope that lacrosse fans in Philadelphia don't decide to watch football on Sunday and they head to the arena to take on and take in Wings versus Nighthawks because that was always a massive rivalry back in the day. It may have changed a little bit from a fan's perspective, but when you put the cities together, Rochester, Philadelphia, not a lot of distance between the two, a lot of NLL history between those two franchises. I would love to see that rivalry start to build up again with this new version of the Nighthawks. So expect Sunday to be a fantastic environment down in Philadelphia. Before we get to Brad MacArthur, one piece of news that came out of the National Lacrosse League this week, and that is that BetMGM is going to be the official gambling source hub home site for the National Lacrosse League. An incredible partnership that we've been waiting for that's slowly been on the outs. Of course, the National Lacrosse League is going to be in Vegas at the end of this month when the Mammoth and Seals take to Orleans Arena. And it just so happens that now the news is out that BetMGM and the National Lacrosse League have partnered up. And we are now going to have fully legitimized national betting on the NLL in the United States. We've already had, as you know, sports interaction north of the border. So Canadians have been allowed to play some wagers on the National Lacrosse League. But obviously the hub of sports betting is in the U.S. And so adding this now adds a little more candy to the basket. And one question Jake Elliott threw at us in our group chat was, who's going to be setting the lines for these games? In the press release, it said that BetMGM was going to be setting them. But again, as Jake would again ask, who within that circle knows lacrosse well enough to set the lines? Which is a phenomenal question because I don't know that answer. I could set imaginary lines for any game if you wanted. But I'm no savant in the betting world. I'm doing pretty good in our lacrosse flash pick them. Side note, couple weeks, I'll join the fellas on the Strip Podcast. And if you haven't listened, go back and listen to Logan Shuss. Go back and listen or watch the Curtis Dixon interviews. Uh, Christian Del Bianco is up next week. You can find them on YouTube, I believe Spotify, but check out lacrosseflash.com and you can find all of their podcasts as well as this podcast. But uh, the Strip Podcast is there as well. You can watch it on YouTube or you can listen to it uh, through the other social websites. 
But betting in the National Lacrosse League has never really been a true thing. Again, yes, sports interaction existed, but not a lot of people were paying attention to it. Again, it was only in Canada. Now that BetMGM is a part of this, and you can go on their website, and you can go to their app, and you'll be able to bet overs, bet unders, bet spreads. This is going to be huge. And it's going to bring, as others have said, more eyes to our sport. Gamblers are degenerates. Saying that in the best way that I can. And they will bet on anything that they can. So if they see a line for Colorado at Vancouver, Vancouver plus 150, maybe they'll take some action. See, and that's how little I know. I'm pretty sure Colorado would be a favorite, but is plus 150 a good line for Vancouver? Maybe plus 225? I don't know. I would say, again, Colorado would be the favorite. So if you want to just bet the quote-unquote money line, you would take the Mammoth. I'm sure you could say that the over-under line would be set at 23. That's probably a good number to set for any NLL game. But this is going to open a lot of doors. It's going to open a lot of eyes. And it's going to bring more people into our sport. So well done to Kevin Morgan and Nick Sakevich for bringing BetMGM into the fold. Again, we all kind of saw this coming. Uh, we kind of knew it was going to happen now that they got sport logic involved. But what it is going to make more paramount than anything, especially in the gambling world, because now that we're venturing into the gambling world, is transparency and honesty and the fact of when players are put on IR, when that information gets out, what their injury actually is, how long they're going to be out. We're going to need truthfulness through injury reports. We're going to need truthfulness through transactions and what guys are signed, when they're signed, if they're going to be activated before the games, if they're because we already know that for a guy to be activated on an active roster, it's got to be done, I believe, like five hours or six hours before game time. That information is going to be needed, and it's going to be needed to be put out. It's going to be needed to put out accurately, instantaneously, and often. That information, like as media personnel, we get that info almost daily of any interactions or transaction that happens in the National Crossing. But that information is going to be needed to put out, whether it's through the National Crossing website or whether it's through different channels, that information is going to be needed to be put out instantaneously because gamblers want to know all of those things. So for example, Reese Dutch is a maybe this weekend for their game in Rochester. He hasn't been fully activated yet, but in speaking with Reese, he's a game time decision, a coach's decision. Again, 
We're now, as I record this Thursday night, they play Saturday. So we're 48 hours out still of that game. But as we get closer, people who are, A, setting those lines and setting the odds for those games are going to want to know. And people who put money on those games are going to want to know as soon as possible if Reese Dutch is going to be in the Calgary lineup against Rochester this weekend. But if people are putting their bets in and they don't know, and then all of a sudden, five hours before the game time, Dutch is activated, that is going to weigh heavily on how people bet games. So that information is going to be needed to be put out almost instantaneously as it happens. Because there has often been a bit of a lag between when people are activated or trades have happened and then when the NLL announces those moves. Again, through the media, we get a daily email. But for the common Joe Cool, they may not get that information until the game has already started or until betting lines are closed. So that is going to be a huge part of this endeavor between the National Lacrosse League and sports gambling. We are going to have to put that information out instantaneously, accurately, and daily. Because people are going to want to know. Now, people want to know what former lacrosse players are doing throughout their careers and what they're doing. But also former lacrosse players want to know what's going on with the National Lacrosse League now that they're out of it. And Brad MacArthur and a few others, all former NLLers, are worried that former players are sort of being left in the dark. And that is not a slight on anybody. It's just the nature of our game. Once you're out of it, unless you're still involved with lacrosse, you're not really up to date on things. So the National Lacrosse League Alumni Association has been formed. And what it is going to do, it is going to bring all the former players closer together. It's going to bring them back closer to the game of lacrosse and is going to continue to evolve and allow former players to be involved in the game of lacrosse. It is an incredible endeavor and it's something that's been a long time coming and Brad MacArthur and his friends and his people involved are going to allow players, fans, cheerleaders, all to be involved in this alumni association. If you had any connection to the game of lacrosse in the past, you are able to go to the website, sign up, pay your dues, and be a part of this association. And Brad MacArthur has been wanting to do this for a while. He has been trying to find a way to make sure that he doesn't cross any boundaries with the league and the PLPA. And now that it started, we can slowly put the wheels in motion. So I was able to catch up with Brad earlier this week. And first off, what the heck is the NLL alumni? Well, we, we wanted to form a group where anybody that was involved in the NLL from, from various levels 
uh, instead of being player specific, could could join and uh, become an advocate and ambassador for the league. Um, you know, there's there's people out there that were more than just players in the league. There's there's management. There was uh, tons of cheerleaders. There's tons of um, fans, uh, the executives, there's just people that want to become involved. And with the amount of teams going uh, defunct back in the day and, and coming back, a lot of people don't really have allegiances to current teams more, you know, more so than maybe saying the league itself. So I wanted to start a group that, that would become an advocate for that kind of things and, and start looking after the, the history of the game and bring players and fans alumni you know alumni of all levels back to the game at, at least an involvement standpoint because uh, there's just too many people out there that, that didn't feel that emotional attachment anymore and uh, we want to bring them back and we can't ask the league to do it it's not the PLTA's responsibility um, and with the age of the league this this I think was a very natural extension when I first heard about this the first thought that came into my mind was how does the PA feel about this and how are you two going to work hand in hand? Because I didn't know if you were crossing lines or if this was going to be a new thing to try to take away from the PA, but that is not the case at all. You are working with the PA, you're working with the National Cross League. How do the three of you come together to make this a viable option for those that have been a part of the game for so long? Well, I, I reached out to Peter and, and Dave before, anything came publicly and, and wanted to uh, you know, seek, I guess would be a better word, their blessing on, on what we want to do. I mean, we're not going to take away from the PA. We're not a, we're not a group that has any standing in terms of collective bargaining or anything like that. Um, but like I said, at the same time, it's not the PA's job to, to keep people involved in the game. They've got, they've got a massive job looking after the players that are currently in it. And, and we, again, we want to be an advocate for, the league and that encompasses the PLPA and, and the head office. So finding that, that happy medium between the two is uh, it'll be tough going forward because a lot of our group will be former players. But at the same time, I think when you, when you get out of the league and you start getting in management of teams and you start getting onto the other side of things, you start to see a little bit of both sides of the ledger, a little bit clearer than you do when you're playing. Um, and that's that's not to take away from anything. I just I think it gives you a little bit better experience. So, reaching out to uh, to the TLPA to Peter and Dave specifically was was something that you know it was necessary. I had a great conversation with them, uh, some follow up emails. So, again, not taking away anything they've accomplished or done. Uh, we're, we're seeking to have partners and to work hand in hand rather than uh, be an opposition to anybody. So, um, that that objective, like I said, it's going to be tough, but at the same time, it, it's, it's something that needs to be clear from the start because, you know, we always say without the players, there's no game without the referees. There's no game. Well, without owners, there's no league. So it, it goes on all sides of it. And I think we just need to be a little bit cognizant of that. And, you know, we, we might have to play Switzerland and be the neutral role and all this kind of stuff and uh, um, stay clear to our mission, which is, supporting the alumni after the careers are done. How important is staying in contact with the alumni? Because one of the questions that you sort of posed to me when we first started talking about this was, when was the last time you heard from the PA about anything? And it was a great question because 
usually the contact between the PA and former players is very minimal. So bringing back all those alumni into the National Cross League, getting them to be fans again, getting them intrigued about the league again, how are you going to focus the efforts on that? Well, we're going to deliver that digitally right now. It's a, it's a tough stretch. Um, but I just want to make clear, when I asked you that question, that that wasn't a shot at the PA. No, no, that not was, at all. Right? That was more of a, here's the reality of the situation. You know, they've got 13 teams, 23 players on each to look after right now. Absolutely. Um, and, you know, the, the digital drive is going to be first. I mean, we've got emails, we've got access. Um but tracking down players, you know, it's a, what would we call this, a large family tree, I guess you could mm-hmm. say, is what we're going to be trying to build. And, you know, I've reached out to players that I know. Um, you know, I reached out to Tom Slate in uh, in Philadelphia and got some contact information from him. I'm going to be reaching out to Scotty Gabrielson, who was uh, a little bit before I started playing. He was involved, obviously, with Philadelphia. Um, he's back as their color guy now. So, um, you know, it just, just guys like that. And, and even into the, um, to the early nineties, like the Detroit turbos days, I've, I've reached out to a couple of the players that I know there. Um, we don't want to leave stones unturned. So it, it's, it's a massive effort. And, you know, the first step was kind of coming out and making sure people were clear about what we were trying to do, because it started to leak out. It started to have some, um, there's people started putting some dots together and mm-hmm. uh, I figured, you know what, if we don't come out now or if we don't say what we're doing, that's when rumors start. That's when innuendo starts. That's, you know, that, that's not something we can have when it's a pretty safe mission of what we're trying to do. So um, it, it, it just became a, again, a little bit more clear in our drive of what we're going to do and how we're going to deliver that on the digital side with through the social media um, and, and, getting one of our first events off the ground. Yeah, your first event is honoring John Tavares for the Man of the Year Award. Um, I'm sure that is going to be a, a very well-attended event. What other events are we going to have, like uh, alumni nights at certain games? I know you kind of want to have, you know, chapters around North America where teams have been, where teams still are, so we can kind of get guys together. What kind of other events are we as alumni going to see? Well, yeah, you know, I'd love to answer that right now, but um... – what I'm, what I'm going to say is that in respect to the league and the process that they were trying to outline, we, uh, we I wouldn't say we jumped the gun a little bit, but we, we did have to put out some, some information on what we were doing. But um, there's, there's plans down the line to be involved with teams, uh, all the current teams, uh, in some way, shape, or form. Uh, but the, our contact at the league continually has been has been Jessica Berman and she's got a plan in place to bring this to the board of governors so until she does that I don't really I don't want to comment too much further because she's uh you know she's been pretty good through this and I, I know it wasn't her plan to have this out there uh, as quick as we did but you know like I said out of some clarity needs we needed to so um, after the Board of Governors meeting at the end of this month, hopefully I can share a little bit more of, of what we're trying to do. Is is the Hall of Fame something that that is a concern for you and that our, our alumni and our players aren't being recognized? And, and I know the NLL has, has visions of what they want for a Hall of Fame, but is this something that you can coordinate with them? 
that that's been on my radar and and the, the players that I talked to when we were first forming this that was that was one of the first things that jumped onto our radar so um yes that's that's squarely in our sights of somewhere we think we can help um somewhere we can assist we've we we got great guidance from the NHL alumni association mm-hmm. and uh, and Wendy McCreary over there and and one of the things they do each year is a huge uh, gala and uh, I've you know, been fortunate enough to attend a couple of these things, and they were they're phenomenal events. And you you see a lot of alumni, you see a lot of current players that are able to attend at those things. Um, so you know we were kind of modeling or looking after those type of ideas, thinking you know if we could bring this to the table, again league the league can't do everything, and you know we we all want them to move as fast as possible and as you know fiscally responsible as possible but you know, there's just some things they're not going to be able to do so you know this is this is an area i think we can help out in um you know we've got a class of players that uh, probably deserve to be in there i think it's been three years now since it has the last yeah. induction so um again there is some change right we've had a we've had a new new commissioner come in through that as well so um, but it is something that's on our radar. We want to get back on the plate. Uh, there's some deserving players who, who you know, will be going into this thing. And I think it's something we can gain momentum with as well. Obviously, this is a, a, a not-for-profit uh, organization, but you are a charitable one. Um, I know you have some people working behind the scenes to, to get you associated with charities and, and foundations to give back to you. How important is that? for the alumni station to do those sorts of things as well? Well, it, I mean, it's huge, right? I mean, it's uh, it's an opportunity for us to be able to give back in more ways than one. Um, the the assistance, I mean, I can't, I can't thank the, the people enough behind the scenes. And like one of them, you know, is a PLPA licensed or approved regional attorney in Shaka Bainbridge. So Shaka's helped me out through this process in, in more ways than one, guiding you know, the registration, the trademarks. It, 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 to set up an organization, it sounds it sounds pretty easy when you say, hey, let's, let's start an alumni association. It's not. Mm-hmm. Um, so those, those type of people behind the scenes, it really helps out. But to be able to turn around and give back uh, on both sides of the border, first and foremost, we, you know, we're set up on, on both sides. Um, I just, with the growth of the league, I, I just think it helps. I, I think it's an opportunity for us to to give back in, again, more ways than one at different events that the maybe the PLPA and, and its players in the league can't do. You know, there's things that are going to come up in season. And if the players are in season, you're only left with a couple of players on the, on the roster that might be either healthy scratched or on the practice roster that can help. And, as a coach, the last thing I'm doing is volunteering my players on game day to do something just, you know, extraordinarily outside of the realm of possibility. And I think that's where the alumni can come in. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, who, who was sort of the brain trust behind all of this? I know you're sort of the, the face of it all, but what other guys have, have been involved and what other guys are, are working alongside you? Well, like I said, I, I've talked to a lot and uh, kind of go, go 
go back to in respect to the league. There'd be there'd be some more faces announced um, after the board of governors meeting, right? On on where we're going with this. And unfortunately, my uh, my you're stuck with my ugly mug for a couple more weeks as the face of this. <laughs> but um, you know, I've reached out and and you know even a guy like yourself, like I asked for input and and just different ideas, right? And like it, it all just started. I can just tell you, years ago, Jesse Phillips, you know, boss in the past, Jesse Phillips, mm-hmm. um, he put a message on on a Facebook messenger group to our 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 four Roughnecks team that won the championship, and he just had some ideas. And I kind of thought to myself at the time, like, why why aren't we doing this on a little bit of a larger scale? And it kind of started evolving from there. Um, but then there were some changes at the league, and um, it, it fell apart and and then you know Nick and his group came in um, again some more changes but it just got to the forefront where we were we were able to do this and then in talking in talking with Shaka who was prepared to guide us and how to get registered what to do um, who to lean on uh, because you know there's startup cost to this that that you know we, we've got to bear so we weren't prepared to ask the league for that. We weren't prepared to, to go to the PLPA and ask us for, you know, for initial funding for a group that doesn't exist. So um, it was just kind of born and bred out of that message that, that Jesse had sent and, you know, into, into something, you know, like this group right now that we've been putting together. So I've asked players, like I said, from different eras. Um, my connection with Israel lacrosse, Bill Barroza was a player in the league uh, for the Turbos. Um, I've again I've talked to Peter Schmitz, who's a, a Boston Blazer back in the in the eighties when he when this when the PLPA first got started. So I've been kind of leaning on guys from from all era. Um, I've talked to uh, well former Victoria Shamrock and an all around good guy Neil Doddridge. Oh, I know that guy. Yeah, yeah. Well, so, but Dodds was one of the first guys. You know, he's yeah. uh, he's kind of like me. He played for a multitude of teams. Got a lot of email addresses and contacts. I'm like, God, I need, I need some help. I, you know, I need to get a hold of these guys. Some of the, uh, I use the island as an example. I haven't seen or heard from a guy like Darren Reisig in years. I know how to get a hold of him, but I don't have direct contact info for him. Right. Whereas, you know, I reach out to Dodds, and a minute later, I've got a spreadsheet from, like, the Baltimore Thunder to the Pittsburgh Bulls and beyond. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it, it was more along those lines, and, and we're gonna try and get everything a little bit uh, in order in-house first so that we get guys signed up so we can get their information and then registered so that we can actually uh, reach out and have the financial stability to do so. Because the only way we do this is is being self-funded for now. That's Brad MacArthur, president of the NLL Alumni Association. If you want more, go to NLLalumni.com. And again, if you are a former member of the National Lacrosse League, this is a huge opportunity for us to bring our players back together. And like I said in our conversation, the PLPA is phenomenal for players in the league. And they do a great job for the most part of anything that happens for players that used to be in the league, they kind of keep us up to date, but there's no true connection 
between former players and the NLL and the PA as of right now. And that's not a knock on those two entities because it really isn't their business dealing with players that aren't in the league anymore. And maybe that's not the right thing to say, but that's exactly what the NLL Alumni Association is here for. To look after players after they are done. To give back to the game involving former players in the league. Whether it's health-wise, whether it's jobs, whether it's dealing with injuries, the NLLAA is here for all of that. And the PA can only do so much because it already has to focus on CBA issues and dealing with players that are currently in the league. So what Brad MacArthur and Neil Doddridge and some of these other guys are doing, I think Sean Pollock and Gavin Proud are involved. What these guys are doing is looking out for the benefit of our former players. And our former players are the ones that are dealing with long, long-term health effects from playing in our league. And while our sport may not be as violently physical as football, we still have players who deal with after lacrosse injuries, dealing with concussion symptoms and CTE and bad knees and bad hips. The Alumni Association will look to take will look to look after those players and help them in their post lacrosse careers. And this has been something that has been long overdue and I'm thoroughly happy that Brad and company are taking this on. And I know they are going through all the right channels and dealing with the league and dealing with the PA because like I said, my number one concern when I heard about this was how does the PA feel about this? And let's hope they don't step on their toes. But as Brad said, that is not their plan at all. They want to deal with players outside of the game, not players that are still in the league. And that is where that the two of them can come together and work together to make sure that all players, current, past, and future, are taken care of. Eight games in week eight. It is going to be an absolute stunner. BR Live is where you can watch all the games. Of course, Toronto at Buffalo is available for free on BR Live, Twitter, and Facebook. Thanks to Zach Manns. Thanks to Marshall King and Brad MacArthur. And as always, thanks to you, the loyal listener, for stopping by and giving us some time throughout your week. Game start on Friday. Colorado visits Vancouver. I will be in attendance. So will Biz Nasty. So it's either me or him. Who do you want to talk to? Shoot me an email, teddy.jenner at gmail.com, or you can find me on Twitter at Off the Crossbar. Until next week, we'll talk to you then and enjoy the games. And as always, be excellent to each other. I am a-